don't buy new. You don't need to. You can buy a, you can buy, I don't know, 10,000 10, houses of parts on Trade and it's all next to nothing. And it's all, a lot of it has been given away. Um, so if you've got the time, then yeah, do it right um, and have fun. That's, that's the whole part of it, really. Enjoy yeah. it. Hate it. Enjoy it. Have a laugh. Um, crack a beer at the end and have someone to do it with. You know, it's, it's those things. It's the process of building this place where you can, and <clears throat> similar to a car actually as well, where you can go have a night in there, wake up in the coffee and actually have like this real raw sense of, I did this. You know? That nail, I put that nail in. You know? Yeah, that, that wood that's chipped there. Yeah, I chipped that accidentally, but I did that. You know? It's that, and it's this real, I don't know, it's a real feel-good feeling. That was Edward Lawley, and this is Duggett, the podcast. Welcome to episode 65 of Duggett with Edward Lawley. Where to start? <laughs> this was a spontaneous one. I'd been following Ed online uh, for a while now, and he started this new project over lockdown, uh, the, the COVID-19 lockdown, and he was rebuilding a Defender from scratch. And I love Defenders, I love projects, and this was a doozy of a project. Uh, literally to the last nut and bolt, he took the whole Defender apart and rebuilt it with his bare hands. The engine rebuild, the differential, the the paint, the rust, the everything. And um, it was just spectacular. It was an amazing project to follow. He called it Project Bernie on Instagram, so you can check that out. Uh, and I just wanted to have a chat to him about the Defender to start with, and then also his eco cabin in Taranaki. Ed's from Taranaki. Taranaki Hardcore represent, that's where I'm from originally too, a beautiful place. Uh, he's got this eco escape cabin by the mountain towards Lake Mangamahoe and um, he just takes wonderful photos of the cabin and just looks like this serene place and it's all sustainable. I didn't realize it's hydro powered as well and his dad's a, uh, a, a, a mechanical engineer as well as Ed, I believe, and they do hydro power units and Anyway, just so inspiring and the sustainability behind it, the vision, the spontaneity, uh, the creativity. Uh, just I listened to the whole episode again just then. Um, I'm sure you'll get plenty out of it too. And some great tips on tiny house building and how to start, where to start, what to look for. Um, so, so much value in here. So I know this is going to really get people excited, particularly with the new law change and be able to build up to 30 square meters. Now it's a real... You know, it's a real way to get get something literally up and off the ground. Um, so exciting times, particularly with ecotourism as well. Anyway, I could go on and on. And just before we get started, to all the listeners out there, would love to give away a night at Ed's beautiful eco-escape cabin in Taranaki. Uh, so go to my Instagram, Duggett, to enter. I'll post it up with the episode. And um, that'll be a real treat to experience Ed's cabin and the beautiful Taranaki. Can't wait to get down there myself. And um, yeah, really appreciate you tuning in. Here we go. Hope you dug it. Yeah, it's been uh, Movid, Movid 19, that's for sure. Oh, no, it looks sharp. Reminds me of, um, who did I interview? Matt Baxter, mate. That Taranaki guy. You know Matt? Yeah I, yeah. I, I used to race with him. I went to school with him. I knew him for years. He's a oh. legend. Yeah, man, I, I saw him on the plane flying back from the Naki and he had this roller contraption device. 
I didn't know who he was. And I'm like, what is that for? And, and it was <laughs> this massage device and he was talking about running and um, yeah. chat about barefoot running and collegiate running. Yeah. I just watched Prefontaine and, and I'd read Shoe Dog and I was like, oh man, just, yeah, it's just really cool, like pure bread running. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's, well, certainly is for New Zealand runners go, he's definitely up there. He's going to be, yeah, you'll see him in a few years time and you'll think, wow, I knew that guy. I, 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 pod, I had a podcast with that guy, I think. <laughs> His partner's recently just um, got, had a baby or just about to have a baby. So I'm um, Emily. So I went, I'm closer to Emily, actually, um, who's my age. Matt Bex is, I think, a year younger or two years younger. Oh, well, as, as his girlfriend from, uh, in Plymouth as well. She is. Yeah, they both got dual. I got a dual scholarship to America. Oh, maybe I knew that. I don't know. I can't remember. But I, yeah, I wasn't sure if his girlfriend was from Taranaki as well. A small world. So how how old are you then, Ed? Twenty six. So your background was was uh, was it electrical engineering? Did you say and mechanical? Mechanical. Um, yeah, mechanical. So I studied up in Auckland for I don't know. Four, 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 four years or so and then did, worked for a consultancy called Wally Parsons. Yeah. Um, they did everything, you name it, from, well, they were in oil and gas, but you know how oil and gas has crumpled over the last, it yeah. seems kind of ironic really because my, my dad owns a renewable energy company. Here I am working for an oil and gas company, so it wasn't exactly with my values, um, but with the oil and gas slump, uh, we, they were diversifying. So a lot of my work was with Fonterra, was with... Um, Compact Fruit Sorting, which is a company that started out in New Zealand, which is quite interesting. Um, Carter Holtz Harvey, uh, all the, a lot of the wineries. So anything that was process-based. Um, so I was on there as a, like a, I was, I was very much a desk job, but doing um, seismic analysis for pipe stressing. So um, and obviously New Zealand, we're on, we're how we sit on our tectonic plates. Um, every process equipment needs to be designed to um, be able to withstand all your different earthquake scenarios. So that was, that's what I did for, for a few years, <laughs> bit of a weird one. Um, and then apps just decided that I've had enough and um, quit my job and then joined a research vessel out of Australia, out of uh, Western University of Perth. That, that they, they, They've got like a vessel that the uh, university owned. It's actually owned by a guy called Andrew Forrest. I think his name's Twiggy. He's like the, he's an Australian rich poncer anyway, but um, work, was doing, did six months of research in Papua New Guinea and, um, the Great Barrier Reef. So it was sort of based around there, then spent six months in sort of the islands. Um, that was quite cool. And then um, I'm on Polestar now, which is an icebreaker, um, doing the same sort of thing. Epic. So that, I had a mate that was working mate. on a super yacht. Um, mm. Josh I did. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you wouldn't learn mm. the mechanical stuff from Josh, though, that's for sure. No, 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 no that's for sure. <laughs> um, but I remember him um, just, talking about the this other mate like the engines and he, he yeah he was an engineer on one of these boats and the problem solving like they were mm. they're retrofitting the boat bringing in um you know they do the whole kitchen and engine replacements and part and yeah. just i was like this is really interesting and then um is that the kind of work that yeah, very would be so. everything and anything wouldn't it yeah so you've got to look at it as um yeah, you sort of, and to some extent, you fake it till you make it. And I think that's why New Zealanders are quite good. You go in, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be able to sort this out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you go in with that kind of attitude. And that is very much how it is. So, like, we were on an older vessel, which was uh, well, Polestar now. It's 15 years old. And the technology 
15 years ago. It's completely different to what it was now. So we're trying to keep everything up to date. So you're incorporating all these old technologies, new technologies, and certainly with emissions based on um, the consumption of diesel and everything like that. So it's quite, um, you're sort of, whenever anything needs to be upgraded, you need to sort of dismantle and then bring in a new technology and sort of incorporate it into an old technology. It's quite, it's really about problem solving and that's why I like it. Um, but it is a lot of time away from home. And I think I've realized now, certainly in the last two months that I can't do this. I can't do this forever. New Zealand is where my heart is. And uh, I'm sure you're well aware, Doug, it's the best place in the world to be. Certainly now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I just love the um, following on. I mean, you've, you've done two epic projects in the NACI. The, you know, I think you messaged before, like, what, what did he say something like, why would you want to interview me or what, or what have I, I don't, not sure what I have to offer or something. And I, but I was thinking the, the t- off the grid cabin and doing up a landy, like those two kind of things are just so in demand and sought after and just capture attention. Like I interviewed, um, I'm a mate, Bryce Langston, who's got living big and tiny houses. Mm, and the mm. tiny house movement has just gone insane. And I was, yeah. I mean, I'm a Landy fan, not an engineer <laughs> though, but, um, and then I'm, I've been working on off the grid, you know, more mm. sustainable housing and particularly around accommodation. And we've got a lot, uh, you know, a sustainable lodge as well, but the. Mm. Stunning. The whole, stunning. Yeah. But I, I love the even more minimal, more, uh, you know, efficient use of spaces. And um, so what got you into, where did those, well, maybe start with the ecoscapes. Uh, where did, where did that start? <laughs> that is a good idea. How it started is, I think you'll quite enjoy this. So uh, my father, M- Michael, is, I've got a lot to thank for my dad and certainly my mum. The two are the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. My dad's an inventor to say the very least. Um, and he's, he's started up a company called uh, Power, or Eco Innovation Power Spout, which uh, we produce and manufacture hydro turbines, micro hydro turbines for the, for the global market, about 90% overseas. So it's all in Nepal, all in uh, Patagonia, all in like, the highlands of Scotland. So these are for communities for electricity that have never had electricity before. So um, company's doing really well. And um, dad had this idea. He's done a lot of sort of moving around, moving around the world and seeing these places. Can we build a house? pretty much nothing now this was 10 years ago now like like pretty much can we build a house that can tick all the boxes for pretty well pretty well zero dollars um so you had this stupid idea and i'm going to say stupid because i had to undo it before i started the (laughs) eco escape um oh what in new zealand is being used and then thrown out and then you sort of forget about it and you don't even think it's not even part of your conscious consciousness is then it's actually you go to the scrap heap and what do you see piled up in the corner is you see a hundred or 200 like fridges just sitting there boxes, you know, they're all steel reinforced. They're all insulated. And he's like, you know what? I have an idea. So <laughs> before you knew it, we had 50 fridges at our house, <laughs> and 50 of these things in a shed in this chicken coop and um, the eco escape. I don't know if you can see the black shed next to it there. That used to be one of our old chicken coops. He piled these, 50 fridges in there. And when I was, he must've convinced me when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12. Ed, you just need to build a concrete pad. Like just every weekend, just get the concrete mixer out there. There's, we put all of our glass bottles into the concrete pad. So we were trying to make use of all the, all the glass there. So trying to reuse as much as we can. And so we didn't have to use so much cement. And yeah, so I spent, I don't know, two years making a concrete pad going, goodness me, this is the most 
silly idea I've ever had in my life. And then I left the university uh, or I left the high school, something like that. And then the, the whole project went on hold and dad got busy, everything just got busy. And then there were these 50 fridges that were sitting in the shed for 10 years. Um, so <laughs> then, I don't know, about a year ago, I had, I was, I don't know, it's, I, I like the idea of having something in the background, like a side hustle um, that was, I don't know, somewhat sustainable, that promoted sustainability that you could use to, that you could use to benefit not only yourself, but give people an experience. I, I love Taranaki and I, I think you've, you've been down there before, Doug, you've seen the, the mountain is, is, is really remarkable right next to the coast there. Um, it's a bit of a bit of an untouched area of New Zealand and not that the tourists don't go there. And certainly now with the, I don't know with Instagram and everything, you've got that lovely mountain shot over the lake, but there's a lot to be said for Taranaki. It's quite an isolated province. So I don't know. I was like, well, if we can bring more people to Taranaki and I don't know, it'll be, it'll be great for the province, certainly because the oil and gas industry, which held Taranaki up was collapsing. So well, tourism sort of has to help pick it up or even just locals. And currently now after the, COVID-19 crisis, it's, it's hard, to, hard to say what will happen, but um, I, think, I think we will get lots of people moving around. But anyways, side of that, I'm on, I'm on a sidetrack there. The, um, I had the idea of building like a house on a trailer or like a caravan or something like that, living in New Zealand. And then all of a sudden I was in, I was in Barcelona and dad just said, well, what about that fridge house? Did you want to finish that? And I think he was excited. He was like, yes, the fridges will be used. They, they will. <laughs> It was to build a house pretty much like Lego, bro Lego blocks. So with these fridges and these are, I don't know, 500, 600 uh, millimeters thick. These are thick walled houses. And then you take all the recycled polystyrene and then you just shove it into these things and you close them all up and then you render the outside. So it's like an igloo kind of base kind of thing. I don't know how feasible it would have been, but anyway, the, the idea didn't happen. Um, all ideas or good ideas come from iterations. And this was probably part one of eco escape. It would have been eco igloo. <laughs> <laughs> and as i arrived uh back into new zealand on holiday i had two months holiday and uh i'd spent two months designing the place uh on my computer and then about um, i don't know six weeks ordering over six weeks ordering parts um dad brings in a shipping container from china of um, components that he uses a lot of electrical equipment um and there was a bit of a spare spare space in there and dad said well what do you what do you sort of need and um yeah, I said, well, what, what sort of, what sort of, what can we use? What can we use? And um, the whole framing, the frame of the place is built out of uh, aluminium to keep it nice and light because it needs to, this is the whole, with regards to the New Zealand's um, legal requirements for tiny homes, I'll, I can go into that a bit later, but uh, we ticked all the boxes and um, there was a reason we used aluminium. It was hard to use, but um, aluminium was light. It's very strong for its weight. Um, and in fact, you can bring it in and it's cheaper than wood. Which is just hard to believe. So it's cheaper than buying wood in New Zealand. So um, and, and you can tra you can transport it across the world. That might not be that sustainable. So maybe cut that cut out. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, anyway. So the in this, the aluminium is actually um, it's the most it is the most manufactured extrusion of aluminium in the world, and it's used for um, industrial scale solar installations globally. So if you go to the middle of the Saudi desert, or you go into China, where they build these I don't know, these solar arrays, which are the size of New Zealand almost. Um, they build them out of this aluminium because um, it's cheap, it's light um, and everything like that. And it's strong. So because of that, I like sweet. Let's bring in a thousand meters of the stuff. Let's see what I can do with it. Um, Dad had used some before. Dad does a little bit of solar stuff, um, but solar certainly in the last 10 years has kind of become a bit of a commodity. 
um, because it's, I think within the last 10 years, it's dropped to a 10th of the price than it used to be. Um, so nowadays it's, there's, yeah, there's not much margin on it. Um, so solar is a, is very much the big boys dominate the market now. And, um, yeah, so I got, yeah. So anyway, ordered this stuff in, um, was getting on trade me ordering pretty much everything secondhand from all the double glazed windows. And it's amazing what you can find on trade me. And I, and I cannot stress this enough. I went up, I, when I arrived in New Zealand, everything somewhat ordered and most pretty much everything to build a house sitting there in a pile. I needed to run around New Zealand to pick up all my windows and whatnot, hired a truck and went around New Zealand, picked everything up. And like, you can pick up brand new double glazed windows for almost next to nothing. Um, and considering like a, a normal house, you could be spending 10, 20, 30 grand just on your, just on your windows. So uh, the only issue is you've got to design the house around the windows because you can you can't, <laughs> smaller and can't make them bigger which was fine like uh, i was reasonably flexible with the ecoscape it was a um it was a hell of a project but it was i'm so i'm so happy that i'm so happy with the results to be fair and a lot of people uh, have, have really enjoyed it so that, that's the main thing uh but yeah i had a cousin so arriving in new zealand um had a cousin uh from london that sort of never never really got his hands dirty per se um and he was there and he was helping my dad out and he gave me a hand and the first job was removing 50 fridges you try and try and take 50 fridges to the dump these days. My goodness, $50 each. <laughs> take the fridge. Oh, God damn. Screwed me up. <laughs> give, me, give me your woes. But we, yeah, we managed to pull it out in the end and um, finish the concrete pad. And then, yeah, and then it just started. I just went into it. And it was, uh, yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life, to be fair. It was day in, day out, sunshine, 40, it's about 40 ish days. 14 hour days um, and just went for it. And dad, dad had previously built um, two houses before. Um, I had all the building, building standards, all, I had all my, I did a 3D model of it on SolidWorks. Um, everything was measured the millimeter on the computer. So to some extent, like, there was a lot, it, it wasn't perfect, that's for sure. Uh, but I'm sure like, like all buildings are, you sort of got to adapt once you get there. Um, but yeah, we got, we got there in the end and um, I don't know, a month and a half later, uh, Ecoscape was probably 90% finished. I ended up having to come, I came back last year in November and did about two weeks work just to tidy up the finer, finer details. You know, whenever you complete a house, you put, put the roof on, put the walls on, and then you spend probably 80% of the time fitting it out and getting all the finer details, all your nice edges and everything like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's tied into parents um, off the grid system. It's got, it's, uh, fully off the grid solar and hydro and six hydro turbines there. It's a bit, of, it's a bit over cool, but um, it gives people an experience. They can go there, the gardens and everything, and they can actually see what living sustainably living in a, a smaller abode, whether they can do it or not. And it's amazing what people's responses are. Certainly when you, like you say, you make the most of a, a smaller space. Um, you don't have to live in a, a mansion to be happy. You can actually, in fact, compacting and being minimalistic and just having a view or having a, a nice, a nice coffee each morning with a nice little outdoor area is all you really need. That's amazing. Mm. The, the, this isn't, is this Oakura? Is it, are you done that? No, I'm just out, um, towards Lake Mingamaui. So it's. Oh, okay. Towards Inglewood. No, that, towards yeah, Inglewood. Yeah. yeah. Probably about halfway between New Plymouth and Inglewood. Cool. And so is there a river that you can tap into for the hydro or a creek or something that comes through? Yeah, it's, it's the, um, so our lake that my parents have outside their property, which is probably 300 meters away from the ecoscape. 
um, that there is the, the source for the New Plymouth water supply. Oh, well, very cool. It's the upper, it's the upper end of the river um, and there's a spring, it's spring fed. Um, our hydro there isn't ideal, um, but because, well, because that we, we produce the products there, we just put, we had, we've got six of them in there, for instance. Well, traditionally one turbine, if you're on a good site is more than enough for, I don't know, a community of house, but we've got six in there, more so for testing and everything like that as yeah. well. Oh, mm. That's super interesting. The, um, no, you need to come down. I think you like oh, it. I've, I've actually, I've been back to the Naki. I mean, we kind of grew up there, but I, um, have, yeah, I haven't been back much in the last two years with the lodge opening, but yeah, I can't wait to get back. I just love the cycling mm. and around the mountain. And, um, yeah, cycling's awesome. The and, mountain, yeah, it's beautiful. And the, yeah, the coastal walkway and there's this, yeah, cool cafes and quite a lot of mates. Escape, still, escape coffee is like the best. Yeah. Shop in New Zealand, it's amazing, yeah. Um, but I just love the cycling in particular. I got big into cycling and the surfing, and you know, mm. there's just so many great back roads and cycle around Leperton. And but the mm. the house, um, that's so to, are you on the tiny house? Uh, because I've been looking into this a lot with the dimensions, you know, if it's trailable yeah. or transportable, then you can get around. So yeah. is that is that kind of how you did it, or did you go yeah. for the ten square meter? Because there's a few ways you can do it to to get around consents, right? Which is the big cost. Yeah. But um, yes, yeah, so what was the thinking or or design you went with there? No, it's, it's a good question. I, I, you're not the first person to ask that either. So um, the building's actually two buildings, um, as as you can probably see from the pictures. The side building, the little building on the side, has no plumbing. Um, it's 10 square meters, uh, just under 10 square meters. Um, and there's only electricity in there. Um, so that there is actually a, a, a tiny home in itself. And then the other one is transportable. So it's on a chassis. Um, it can be put, put onto a trailer and can be moved away. And it's within the exact dimensions and weight allowed for on the road. So that's, that, that's the design assumptions which you start with. So I had a box and pretty much maximize what you can build inside this box. Minimize the weight because you have to... There's all these different rules with maximum towing in New Zealand, maximum um, uh, length, maximum height, maximum width on the road. So everything is designed to those um, those considerations. Yeah, with some allowance, of course. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I had a, a friend of this guy, Mike Peters. He's, he's a bit like Sal, like super creative, um, like architect, engineer type. But he, he's done these ten square meter, but the he's got these windows that pop out and so he's got pop extra out. yeah and um yeah, yeah i was yeah. thinking about that i'm like yeah. could you know yeah. you know if you've got a folding a, a floor that can fold out a window that can push out or something but your, your square meterage is the same but you've got this extra usable space or mm. um mm. yeah he's just done quite a, a few cool ones but i, I think there's such a neat design uh yeah solution the 10 square meter because you can have that without the plumbing and then you can have this. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. The, um, it has to be more than a meter apart or something like that. So mine's yeah. 1. 1. 1.01 or something like that. Mine's, mine's just on the limit. But um, yeah, it's, it, is, it is really cool. Um, and there are lots of really cool designs. Honestly, this is, this is only one design. And the good thing about a tiny house is that you have a restriction. And that's, in, in a way, that's, there's a beauty in that. You've got a limit. Yeah, you can't you can't be too adventurous, but you've got to make the most of that space. 
Um, and that's the beauty, like with a house, when you design the house and you don't know what the budget is, you don't know how big it is, you can just keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger or however. With a tiny home, it is what it is. And so you've got to really be efficient. You've got to understand exactly what you want and not, and not what you don't want. So that, that was the idea about the Ecoscape. And it was sort of somewhat based around if I was, and it was in, that, in this sense, it was very selfish. Uh, if I wanted to stay at a place anywhere in the world, what's exactly what I personally want? Because eventually I'll probably end up staying there or living there or whatnot, or who knows, who knows? Um, and so I ticked all those boxes and it happened to tick a fair few other people's boxes as well. What were, what were, what, <laughs> um, what were the top couple of things that you would, uh, you'd have? In uh, your, in your... lot, lots of wood, lots of like um, natural wood. And so part of my trip around New Zealand, um, there was a tree that was cut down in, um, in Rotorua and it was felled and they was like, yeah, sweet. So I went on training and bought some dried beans of it and then just went and this, I don't know, details and lots of less plugs, one light, switch and you can dim it and then i don't know just the whole style of it and no un, nothing unnecessary everything there if you could point to anything in the room like it had a function as well as being looking nice to some extent it, things weren't just in there to have one function they were there to do two things at least and so you're just trying to be more efficient in that sense yeah yeah that's cool and did you think about it as a i mean as a as a business as well i mean i've been looking at trends in hospitality you know off the off the grid escapes and then there's yeah. a hot you know glamping's taken off um yeah. i guess my my thinking around glamping though just personally is that um you know i was thinking winter with mold and with the noise yeah. and there's a few things that it's amazing experience, but it, um, there's a few things you can get from creating a cabin in the woods, you know, sure. the, the cabin porn book and the designs yeah, yeah, that yeah, people yeah. can do. Um, yeah. How did you, did you think about it as a business model or a, well, that, that's, I guess, I guess you have to wait for the next project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, you have to wait and see. Um, um, Cause you're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because your your marketing is is great. I mean, you you take fantastic photos and everything as well. And then you mentioned on on the site, I think that was booked up for months ahead, mm. wasn't it? So, um, so it must be going yeah. well. Yeah, it was a lot more popular than we thought. Like a, a lot more popular. I was thinking, ah, oh, it'd be sort of a weekend getaway for people, and I don't know, it'll be then. I think last year, so we opened it in, in April, Easter weekend it was the first weekend actually. Yeah. Uh, then we had 97% booking for the year. So it was only the rest of that year. So that would have been, I don't know, four, four days that were unbooked completely. So it was booked every other day. From when? From November through till? So from, so from April, the, from uh, Easter, through yep. till um, the end of the year, because Airbnb give you like a stat of the percentage. And yep. for us, it was 97%. So booked. Through the winter as well. Yeah. Winter's so the current, the next Three and a half months of block books through the winter. Yeah. What and what's the price point? Um, about depend depends. Like after this COVID, I was like, oh goodness, this is gonna. <laughs> uh, like, I can't be stressing too much because uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of people in a lot a lot worse shoes, and the, yeah. the, the places didn't anything. It didn't cost an awful lot to build. Yeah. Go on to the later. The um, it was uh, oh, I dropped the price a little bit, but it's between 110 to 150 during the winter. And yeah. then around 
$100 mark. That's for the whole building. Yeah. Uh, over the over the Christmas period. And over do you, Yeah. Yeah, so about 200 during summer and 150 yeah. something in winter. Yeah. And do you yeah. do you provide uh you know, like any any food or any services with it, with it, or it's just completely off the grid escape. Yeah, off the grid escape. All it has is coffee, <laughs> um, yeah. coffee machine, uh, like Aeropress, Chemex, like the boutique coffee making appliances. I guess you call it these days. Um, tea and everything like that, and then milk um, in the fridge, um, and then everything else is you bring around. And I, and I think in that sense, I don't know because that. For me, I don't know, I find it really hard to go to a place and then fork out a, a, a huge amount of money. And this is why I go back to the, a, a place that I would like to stay in. I, I would, if, I, if it was a really special night, it's a different story. But if I was going for like a weekend away for, with some friends to go and experience a new place, certainly like Taranaki that I've never been to before, I don't want to be like having to, to, to save for, I don't know, half a year to be able to go there and do this. I want, I want regulars. I want people to come back and... And I think the price point where I've got it right now is perfect because if, if you've got block bookings for the whole for most of the year, then obviously it's 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 somewhat affordable. Um, and I think that's where I, that's the, that's where I want it to be. I don't want it to. I never want it to be a place which people can see as being unaffordable because the fact is, at the end of the day, it didn't cost a lot to build. So why I don't know why overcharge people in that sense. And, it's, yeah. and I'm not anything more than more than a, a view and a bed and a place to drink their coffee in the morning. That's it, really, if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is the, I mean, I'm almost, you know, almost saying the best things are the view and the, the simple, mm. you know, you know, it's like the, if you can do it right, you can, the, it depends how you wrap it up. Cause I see some people do it terribly. You know, they, it gets gimmicky <laughs> yeah. and there's TVs and there's the whole lot. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, people don't want half the stuff you're putting in here and the whole package is, is just, like from the positioning side is wrong. I, I, I love the off the grid, you know, done well. Um, and I guess there's different levels of that, like I said, from the glamping to what you're doing to, exactly. you know, what, you know, places like the Lindus and stuff are doing, you know, mm. like these glass pods and then you've still got the fine restaurants and stuff and the outdoor yeah. spa. And, but um, that's super interesting. I'm going to have to, yeah, I've got a few other ideas I have to share with you on that. Um, yeah, that no, sounds cool. The idea is that instead of, I guess if you're looking at it as, as a business idea, and um, we'll possibly talk about this a bit later, the um, why, why build, like you, we, could, we could increase um, the nightly stay and we could increase the profit, increase blah, 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 everything like that. But you could instead build something, build another one or anything like that to then optimize your profits to that extent rather than charge more, have more, so that you can, I don't know, you can bring more people to the region. Because Taranaki does need more tourism, that's for sure. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you get these, I don't know, who travels, who travels these days to a region and stays in a hotel? Um, it's unfortunate, um, but people want experiences. People want to wake up in a unique place. Like obviously, Queenstown's an exemption because you wake up at a hotel and you've got a view which is just worth a million dollars but in Taranaki the view that you wake up to is just a street in town it's it's nothing nothing special so um having these places which are unique um these are the these are the places that people would like to stay um but yeah it's it's really hard it's really hard I don't know I just went on on a whim I went out on a whim on it and um I uh, think yeah it's, it's so impressive that you've actually actually um done it and 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 I guess the learnings from that you know it's, mm. it, it 
Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, it's a bit like the like mum and dad built this lodge. They were going to build a house as a kind of dream home, and it went way over budget and what have. And it was going to be a part time B and B, and then you know, then I I kind of had to come in to do you know, we needed to make it more full time, and then I had to come in and do the the website and the design and do the booking systems and um, help out with that side. And then there's as well as all the work on the land, but um. Mm. It's, um, that place is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's done so well. I mean, I was standing on top of mum and dad's shoulders, but the, but then we got into the luxury lodge association, all this kind of stuff, and it was like the level of service and detail, and um, stepped but right just up. yeah, just stepped right up, and then it just got so busy, and then understanding the whole industry, and then yeah, you know, I'm just like wow, and then you start to see the opportunities because you've worked in the space for so long, and you see how everyone's positioned and yeah. and what you know you take the best things that you love from all the places you have been to around the world and you think how exactly, can you, yeah. you know make it unique and i really look at it from the guest perspective of you know if i was going to france it kind of feels like france up here sometimes if i like to, <laughs> you know at, like, a villa, like, at a villa like, or in italy and, and yeah and, and you had this kind of service and this kind of food mm. and um yeah, I think it's fascinating. But I think for New Zealand, I've been mean, talking to a friend, Jade, who's a top sustainable entrepreneur from China. He's just moved back and we're talking a lot about, you know, building costs and domestic tourism. And he's got a lot of investors and people in the space and that's something he wants to do as well. Um, yeah. So I think there's huge opportunity to do it well um, and to reinvent the, you know, create new offerings and Taranaki is just yeah. uh, Taranaki is a gem in the, the crown that we just sent some guests down to Ahu Ahu Villas at the end of summer. Yeah. So the Ahu Ahu Villas is what I was sort of the, what I based it off. So my, yeah. I remember my parents going there when I was a kid and going, Oh my goodness, this place is phenomenal. I love the wood. I love the floor. I love everything, but it's basic. It's nothing. It's like rustic. It's for a New Zealander traveling around New Zealand. You go there and you almost feel like you're at home in a way and that's and that's great like for a tourist they go wow we're coming to new zealand this this is like this is like going to, I'm, I'm sleeping with the animals tonight this thing's great like we're in a, we're in a barn um but for us in new zealand we i don't know i think we really appreciate that that style and that sort of homeliness and those ahu ahu um cottages which is down um down the okura just outside okura are phenomenal are phenomenal yeah, yeah that way we stayed i was looking at doing this project down there we went and stayed at their main lodge uh conference room area that david's built with the new rooms and it was yeah. so sweet and the views i was like this is like esalen institute in california this you know it's just world class spot um oh it's very cool i'm trying to think where yeah i'd love to have a chat of a few more things like that uh, <laughs> and this and this i think it's such an exciting space the, it certainly is, yeah. It certainly is. Just on it though, what would you? Was there anything that's obvious that you would? I'm just thinking if you're listening to this, like, is there anything obvious that you would do differently in terms of how you? Because I love the idea of like a ten square meter and then another, you know, the 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 rest of the, you know, plumbing and everything and the the trailer component. But is there anything else you would, you know, do differently or give people a heads up if they were going to do this? Um, it's a lot of work. And I'm, yeah, you've got to, wow, yeah. I was very lucky because I had a wealth of knowledge to pick on 
on a daily basis. My father's, um, my father lived and breathed this his entire life to some extent. He is a mechanical engineer, but he's built um, my parents' place, which is a stunning house um, in Taranaki and built the previous, he, he's from the UK and he arrived in New Zealand, had no job. It was a depression. He had nothing else to do. So he built a house. Um, <laughs> Cause it, yeah. And I think having that was worth its absolute weight in gold. Um, you've got to be, you've got to, you can't just sort of put your toe in the water. You've got to really, un, you've got to really like, I think a lot of people look at tiny houses and go, Oh, it's not much of a risk, but like you've either got to go for it and do it right. Or it's similar to building a house, you know, you're not, you're not just going to build a half a house. Um, and I think because people, certainly in New Zealand, there's a very much a can-do attitude. And don't get me wrong, most people can do it. But if, if they want to do it themselves, it takes time. It takes a lot longer than you think it would take. Um, you don't have professional builders in hand. Because a lot, a lot of this stuff you can do yourself. Now, obviously, with regards to tiny houses, um, the electrical um, things can be done by you. But um, they need to be signed off by um, an electrical inspector. So that, that this, everything here has been signed off and the plumbing has to be done by a plumber. So there are rules in that sense. Um, obviously, we don't want people electrocuting themselves or anything like that. But um, no, you just got to, if you want to do a tiny home, make sure you tick all the boxes. Um, it's, there's no manual on how to do it. Um, <clears throat> would be nice. Uh, but there is, yeah, there are so many different styles, so many different ways. And at the end of the day, if you look at tiny houses, it's pretty much how can we not bend the rules, but how can we build a house in a weird shape that fits between all the rules that are outlined? Um, so just make sure you know the rules. Uh, make sure you know what you're doing. Have a budget. Keep it. Honestly, you trade me is unbelievable. Uh, don't buy new. Buy secondhand. If you're going to do it sustainably, do that. Like it's the best thing you can do to build a house is uh, by being sustainable. Is don't buy new. You don't need to. You can buy a. You can buy. I don't know, 10,000 10, houses of parts on Trade Me and it's all next to nothing. And it's all, a lot of it's just been given away. Um, so if you've got the time, then yeah, do it right. Um, and have fun. That's, that's the whole part of it, really. Enjoy yeah. it. Hate it. Enjoy it. Have a laugh. Um, crack a beer and have someone to do it with. You know, it's, it's those things. It's the process of building this place where you can, and <clears throat> similar to a car actually as well, where you can go have a night in there, wake up in the coffee and actually have like this real raw sense of, I did this, you know? that nail, I put that nail in, you know, yeah, that, that wood that's chipped there. Yeah, I chipped that accidentally, but I did that, you know, it's that, and this is real, I don't know, it's a real feel good feeling. It's super, I don't know, when I, I've, I've actually spent very little time out there, unfortunately, I spent a few nights, probably a few nights in total. But it's it's wanderlust for me. I love it. I just can't. It's I can't fathom it. Sometimes I go there. Wow, this is this is in my eyes perfect. Yeah. Oh, magic. So well said. I think. Um, <laughs> like uh, we've always watched Grand Designs as a kind of, of family, course, yeah. and um, and it's just like every episode the budgets double. It took. Yeah. I think there's one that took like five times as long as they thought the other yeah. night. <laughs> It's crazy. Eh? I mean, like, this is insane. I don't know why. I mean, the same thing. My old man's built so many houses. Um, mm. He does a lot of the work himself as well. But, I mean, the lodge was an exception because there's so much different engineering and the scale was so mm. much bigger um, and some other issues. But it's, geez, to build something on time to budget is like, so it's amazing what you've done. I love the idea of using 
that's the other thing with uh, we did clean out the garage the other day, and I thought it's the best motivation for minimalism is cleaning out all your old junk and what goes to oh, waste. Absolutely. It's just <laughs> you know, I'm like, why would you want to buy something new when there's so much good um, yeah. just sitting around on places like Trade Me? And then what about uh, I got to talk about the Defender Bernie because. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think about cars. I'm like, you got classic cars, you know, timeless design. The Defender design so iconic. It's just, it's just timeless, and they don't make them anymore. So it's, you know, it's never going to go down in value. And then you've got, you know, like a Tesla. Like I drove a Tes French Tesla the other day, and it was just phenomenal. But everything in between, I feel like, is just, I don't know. Gap filler, almost. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like you yeah, trying to get a Tesla, or you can't have the collector <laughs> car. And the, we're like, we've yeah. got a couple of Defenders, which are really great for the off-road up here. But they're they're like a tractor. They're super mechanical. Um, yeah. But to see you break one down, and like even watching you put the diff back together, and all of the, I mean, where did, uh, how did this idea come about? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know. Uh, I think after the eco escape, mum's like, you need a car. I haven't, I've never really owned a car before. I don't want a car. I don't need a car, mum. I'll be fine. I'll just sort of leech off my parents' leech and whatnot. And you know, you know how it is in New Zealand. Um, <clears throat> and then I actually had the, I, I don't know, uh, Lucy Griffin, a uh, good friend of mine. She's oh, a Land Rover. We had, like something with a roof tent. You're friends know, with the Griffins. Oh, they're like a um, family mate. <laughs> so, uh, love, love Keith and Debbie and Luce and Charles. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, they're all brilliant people. So I, um, anyway, so they, yeah, I don't know. She, I think she put the idea into my head to some extent. And then I, every, every now and then I jump on trade and have a little look and yeah, I wasn't that excited. Like you get these cars and people are trying to use the salesman voices, blah, 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 selling and selling. I know they're all going to be, you know, bad because you're going to have to do a lot of work on them. Um, and this whole COVID-19 thing sort of developed the projects because I did, come across the car it was if my mum's uh, one of the teachers at Sacred Heart in town that's how she knows uh, Josh uh, so well and she um, her friend Bernadette had a had this defender in the barn and had been there for 10 years and they'd owned it since new they'd bought a new in Taranaki um, and I was like this is interesting um, single owner uh, when it was new and this was actually the selling point for me when it was new um, it had a V8 petrol in it and uh, the owner went no no I don't want that and the, and the guys at the garage said, right, we're going to put in a Toyota Land Cruiser engine and um, get it all certified. Uh, and then will you like it then? And he's like, brilliant. So it's, um, it's sort of like a hybrid. It's a half Toyota Land Cruiser, half uh, <laughs> Defender. So for those Defender advocates out there, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the engine's a hell of a lot better than the V8 that was done in the, <laughs> the early. So, um, yeah. And getting parts is so much easier. And this, I don't know. For me, uh, working on like a Japanese engine where everything fits together so nicely, everything is designed so brilliantly, everything works, everything is just so well engineered. It's, un- it's unbelievable that I was, I'm working on something which was about 35 years old and it, it still amazes me how, how, how it was even possible back then. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how it started. Then it sat in the shed, so I bought it. Um, the EcoScape has like a little shed next to it and I put it in there and Dad used to think about it. Um, you know, it would be awesome if it gets redone. But hey, it's. I'm warning you, and he did say this. It's going to be a lot more work than you think it is. And I went, nah, no way. 
it's fine. Look, it's it's got wheels. Like I don't know. I I'm not a car enthusiast by any means. Like I I got wheels. Got an engine. Yeah, sweet. Exhaust. It's on. Yeah, roof doors. Let's go. Let's cruise. Didn't start obviously. Um, <laughs> I hadn't started in ten years. So I hadn't been started in five years. Sorry, I hadn't been warranted in, uh, in ten years. But it had maintained its registration. So that was everything. But had lost its registration, then getting it re-registered would be would would be almost impossible these days. Certainly with all the old classic cars now, it is hard to get cars re-registered. Um, so yeah, I came back. I flew. I was in America uh, working at the time, and flew into um, flew into back home just before everything sort of kicked off in New Zealand. Um, and I knew that I was going to do a little bit of work on it. Um, I had I bought an engine rebuild kit. I had all new pistons. Um, all new bearings, and I was sort of I was going to work on the engine. Like, that'll be my, I'll tick that off. At least at least I know that the engine works, and yeah, I, I could I can live with that. Um, and then whenever I come back to New Zealand, I have a little tinker and a bit of spare time, or it's raining or something like that. I can have a little bit more of a tinker. Little did I know that I'd be in New Zealand for two and a half months, no, two months, two months. And I thought, well, you know what, I've just got to do it. I've just got to put my head down and start from the bottom up. So yeah, after. Pretty well, pretty well, 40 days every day, like the eco escape, uh, up early, going to bed late, um, grinding away rust. My goodness, I didn't realize that there could be so much rust on the vehicle. Um, and the rust is always, and I'm sure, is, is, is a million times worse than you ever think it is. You look on the outside and go, it's barely rusty. You open it up and you go, goodness me, how can this city like this and just expand inside? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's completely, so I worked on the chassis first, broke it right down to the last nut and bolts. Stripped the chassis right down, and um, as you, as you saw on the Instagram stories, it was a it was a full rebuild from every nut. Really, touch this this finger here. Yeah, I'll touch the camera. Yeah, boom. I touched every single bolt of the defender, every nut right there. <laughs> and the and it's how sore. Did, really sore. <laughs> oh man, I could. It looked like an absolute nightmare of a of a job breaking the whole thing down, and then and then the like, how did you have, did you have everything set up for like the repaint to take the rust out to repair? Like there's so many things to actually do on that vehicle. Yeah, what kind of tool shed did you need? Did you have to bring stuff in or did you have a lot of it set up or? Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, parts was the main issue. Um, but some, most of it you can sort of get around and a lot of the parts were so somewhat so basic that you could machine them in house. So a lot of that, a lot of that was done. Our dad's company did shut down for the COVID-19. So I had access to two workshops. I had lathes, I had mills, and it was all, all, all for me really. So he didn't, dad didn't have his workers in, which is brilliant. So I could go there and make an absolute mess of everything. And then it was a, a big tidy up before they all came back. I, mean, I didn't touch anything, I promise. Um, yeah, so it was, at the end of the day, you don't need a lot of tools um to do a to do a car you just need a lot of time um so in terms of you just need a full like uh ratchet set um all the way up imperial metric that can do your whole car just assembling it really certainly certainly defenders defender it's it's amazing how simple it is it's like building a your old lego cars you know you've got you've got your main body and then everything else just sort of sits on top of it and you just bolt it all in with like 20 volts that's it well a new car it's not like that a new car is sort of the chassis is everything everything is the chassis like Everything which encompasses the engine is the part of the chassis. Everything is structural. While back then it was just 500 kg piece of steel and everything strapped onto it. Then yeah, off you go. Um, so yeah, it was 
removing rust, a lot of welding. I, I guess the idea is I, I wanted to learn a new skill and I bought a welder. Um, so that was the only, that was the main tool that I bought and never welded and said, hey, I, for some reason I had this idea that I'd, lo- I'd love to learn to weld. It's been on that skill list. I've done a lot of machining and worked with CNC's, worked with everything in the, in the workshops and never actually touched really a welder. So um, I've welded a lot now. Um, it's great. I actually really enjoy it and it's hard, but um, I've learned a lot of welding. Uh, learn from the bottom up, I guess. Learn from, learn from mistakes. Um, but yeah, the chassis, so everything, so the vehicle now, as, as you've seen it, is 100%, there's no rust on it at all. It's probably in a better state than when it was new in terms of protection for corrosion. It's pretty well been, the whole chassis pretty well been, every component has been dipped in zinc just so it can last another 35 years. But I think it will. I think it will last another 35 years. It's amazing how how things last um, certainly when they were built back then when you're steel you're you're grinding away instead of being one or two mil thick like new cars this is sort of like four or five mil thick they've really they really made um made things to last back then that's for sure yeah that's incredible and mm. i mean what a yeah that's like a yeah it'll be passed down through the family now or something I I mean, so. uh, <laughs> uh, and and Another great investment, though. I mean, obviously your time, but uh, you know, yes. a defender done like that from the ground up, because that's the yeah. thing with buying them is you don't know what. You know, I wouldn't have a clue whether there's an issue with the engine, whether there's yeah. you know, there's there. I had one, a secondhand one, and then suddenly, you know, after owning it for a while, I had to take it in for service, and the rust was way more than I than they thought, and you know the. the the issues can go on and on, but to have one rebuilt from the scratch um, is amazing. So you, you, it's all up and running now because I saw you drove it a couple of times. Yeah, it's um, fun. It's real zippy. Uh, yeah. It's really good fun, actually. Yeah. Is it five uh, speed? Five speed, yeah. So yeah. the good thing about it is that because they had the V8, back then what they, they didn't have like a standard gearbox. They had a gearbox for every type of engine that they had. Um, they didn't just have one gearbox which adapted to all the engines. So there was only three or four different engines back then. Um, so I had the V8, which was great because it meant that the gearbox was designed for a much more powerful engine. So the, uh, when I took apart the gearbox, it was in like, it's in, it is brand new almost. I had a few I think, tweaks to do with it, but it is in great condition and it's five speed. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit better on the, on the fuel. Uh, not, that, not that this is a sustainable project or anything like that. <laughs> this project, this project is far from that. It's not, it's not an electric car. Uh, my parents' electric car. They, they, they this sort of offsets this thing, I think. <laughs> uh, well, I had a mate <laughs> up here as a chef, Tom Hishon. He ran his on like the biodiesel and fat from his restaurant. I yeah. think like a like a mix of it. Um, You'll be careful with cool. that. Yeah, yeah. you got you so changing the filters or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. entirely. Um, the thing about bio, bio, these bio oils is it's highly corrosive. Yeah. Um, is that your engine wear is a hell of a, like it's considerably more on the ten to twenty fold more. Um, and that's why they, lim- they limit it. Certainly, uh, the fuel that we buy these days, there is biofuel in them. They, they always, there's always a mix of something in there, but it's usually only a couple of percent. Because any more than that, then you have these long effects on engines. And that's why these purely vegetable oil-based engines, unfortunately, just due to the oxidation of the oils and the emulsification that occurs, um, you get, um, yeah, it, it just strips through the engine and you get all this um, corrosion and damage and wear which is um, which really ha- it hasn't really been designed for. I guess no engines these days are designed for biofuel. They're all designed for the diesels and petrols and everything like that. But we shall we shall see. We shall see. That's very um, interesting. It's one of the it's one of the challenges for um, the bio engines is the is the cr- corrosive ability of um, the, the 
natural, naturally occurring uh, renewable oils, the vegetable oils and things like that. Jeez, yeah, that's something I hadn't thought of. That's, um, that's really interesting. It reminds me of like, I remember chanted Andrew Patterson, the architect, and he just designed, you know, he did Len Lai and he um, yeah. he did, uh, he was doing a six-star green building in Auckland. He said, you know, all the gimmicks and things they can do to make it six-star or this new standard. He said, if you just build something that lasts 100 years, it'll be the most, or, you know, he's, he's like the actual, how, how long it takes someone to get to the building and whether it will actually stand the test yeah. of time is much more of a, you know, a sustainable feature than actually the, yeah, giving these ratings. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, no, exactly. And there's a, there's a lot of, not that they're myths, not that they're myths, it's just that, and they are, it's, they're, people are looking for alternatives and there's no other way to do it. You've got to look, you've got to try, you've got to trial and error. And it's the only way that we're, as a human race, going to progress. Certainly with this um, stress on climate change and everything like that, we have to make a change. Don't get me wrong. And um, using biofuels and everything like that is all part of it. But you're going to have to, if your engine's only going to last half the amount of time, and then you have to build a brand new engine to last the same amount of time, it sort of offsets itself completely. Um, and the same to do with the hydrogen cells and everything like that. There's some great uh, readings on that by um, Steve Goldthorpe, who's a reader, who's a writer for um, Energy Watch New Zealand. He's done a fantastic article on uh, the hydrogen cells, and there's a hydrogen research facility going in in Taranaki, and it's it's amazing when you put when you sort of scale back everything and look at all the energy processes that go into making i don't know your oil or your hydrogen or anything like that how it actually stacks up today um so yeah hey i'll flick you that article you'll let you'll really appreciate it that'd be cool to share in the show notes um yeah i think that's such a timely thing with taranaki transitioning from oil and gas and stuff as well and we're yeah oh shit it must be late for you now is it what um, no, it's, it's only it's only ten o'clock now. So it's not too bad. Oh, okay, well, um, geez, I could probably have a bag of chips and a beer and keep going, but I'll I'll <laughs> better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's 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 been so neat to hear about your projects. Um, what? And I just saw you took you've taken some F- F- photos and videos too. Is that is that that's obviously a passion as well? Um, you know, capturing content. Yeah, um, a little bit. I guess I fell into that with the job that I'm in uh, to some extent. You get to go to some pretty pretty cool little places and things like that. So I know I picked up a camera a war I know, five years ago and I don't know, some a couple of hundred dollars and then then realized to tell you what, I might as well go all in. So bought bought some nice stuff and then yeah, over the last three or four years just got, got into it. I don't know, it's my little uh, create my attempt at being creative, I guess. I my job's heavily, heavily engineering based and sure it's problem solving and it's quite I don't know, not that it's mundane, but it's quite, um, yeah, it's either right or it's wrong. Some, like a lot of the time, certainly with engineering type problems. Uh, but with this is sort of, I don't know, a bit of an escape to some extent. So no, I, 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 it's more of just a personal yeah. hobby, but it helps. Certainly the ecoscape looks great from it. So yeah. what camera, what, what equipment did you, did you go for? Um, I've got a Sony, um, a seven R three. Um, sitting around oh, the Sony. nice! Yeah. Um, with uh, I, I, I use Sigma lenses, so I've got the Sigma uh, Nifty 50, 50 mil, one point four, um, and then the new um, twelve to twenty four, two point eight. Um, now my two lenses that I use, so a nice wide angle in that. And, um, yeah, that's pretty pretty well me. I <laughs> just run around with that. It's nice and lightweight. So, yeah. Oh, and I love my brother. He's a big fly fisherman. Um, takes lots of fly fishing content, but. He's got a Sony A, 
arts that are, I think it's got the R2 at the moment, but yeah, they're such beautiful, like the engine, you know, the design of them as well. I love the, how solid and mechanical and everything it is. It's, um, yeah, they've been well designed. And certainly this got this transition towards the mirrorless, um, like the, yeah, rather than shutter based cameras and, um, yeah, it's, it's a real, like all the cameras are going that way these days. They're smaller, they're more compact. Um, there's not a life based on them by based on how many clicks you do. Because all these older style um, shutter cameras, I mean, have got so many, um, so many flaps you can do, or so many photographs you can take until you have to get the camera rebuilt just because of mechanical wear. Um, so it's amazing what it's amazing what's happening. And obviously, the cameras that you buy these days is probably going to be absolutely dwarfed by the cameras you buy in a few years' time. But uh, I, I guess if you're wanting to get into photography, you don't you don't want to look ahead and go, oh, wait a few years and yeah. buy it because when you're three years time, you want to <laughs> you just keep yeah. doing. You just got to grab a camera and go for it and just enjoy it. And yeah, for me, it was um, it's, it's like kind of an excuse. Certainly in Taranaki, it's like if I'm going up, like it's like, yeah, I've got to bring the camera. It'd be great. Like it's sort of an encouragement to go and do some play, go do some things. Certainly up at the that iconic, obviously iconic mountain with the lake up at Taranaki. It's you go up there um, now, nowadays, and you, if, if it's on a good day, you'll see 20 or 30 photographers all lined up. But I mean, when I was a kid back then and cameras didn't really, there was no one there. So um, I don't know, bring, bring a lot of people bring a camera and it helps them get out and about. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, totally. I just got this drone to do some stuff for the lodge and I'm looking at maybe getting, you know, yeah, get other food. but I've, got, <laughs> I've captured so many just amazing surf days and dolphins and yeah, I've seen some of the dolphins out there just like oh. coastliners. Well, you, you share the same coastline as us. It is it's wild. It's rugged. It's everything you want. Yeah. That's uh, oh, that's awesome. Um, cool. Uh, and and maybe just lastly, is there anything you're like super excited about now? Obviously, there's like new opportunities with COVID, uh, but you're you're traveling. You're going back to work. I mean, you, you sound pretty excited about coming back to the NAC and working some new projects. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what kind of keeps you fizzing? Is it just learning the next thing, or um, yeah, the next the next project? I think this this defender project took it out of me. It was a uh, d- dad was very right in saying it was more work than I thought it would be. And it was probably four times more work than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so that, that really sort of punched me down into my hole a little bit, but um, I'm excited for the next one. That's for sure. I've got, I've got a few ideas and um, I don't know. I've got a, I think, I think, I think they've got some good potential. It's hard to know, but uh, with how New Zealand's rolling at the moment, and it was quite amazing ever since like it, we had the level two, we, were, we had these uh, it's amazing, this Swiss couple were staying at the Eco Escape for two days, um, and then this whole lockdown level four happened. And then, yep, nope, you're here for um, you're here for a while. <laughs> um, uh, they actually, after week three or week four, they managed to get a flight back home. But they they just said it was they're from Switzerland, and they said this 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 just pushes everything that you can find in Switzerland like out the door. This is this this is where we want to be. New Zealand has just this unique, has a very unique sort of relaxed, um, professional, elegant vibe to it. It was like always stringed all these sort of multitude of different words together. I thought, all right, okay, cool. (laughs) It's having other people stay and references like that. There is potential. I think a lot of people are moving. Like you say, this whole tiny movement, tiny house movement, sustainability, it's it's real. It's um, it's certainly in Auckland where it's unaffordable. It is unaffordable to buy a house in central Auckland these days even if you're two professional doctors, two professional, whatever, like you're, you're the higher end of the, the pay spectrum, you're just not going to be able to afford a place. But having these smaller places, which have a nice view, I think, I don't know. I think there's a little, 
the gem there maybe to exploit this a little bit you know just a little yeah. <laughs> just well, a little. well that's the thing it's if there's one thing for humanity it's it's our ability to innovate and i think you know as soon as yeah. you get stuck on the problem you know it's like well how can you pivot and find the the blessing in it because you know yeah. you know covid's a classic case it's like all this extra time you know you can get into the yeah, no, exactly. your life you work on things you can um that's super exciting and, and and you mentioned running with matt have you got any other outlets you know as if things you love to travel with is there you know do you still run do you, you know, surf what else um yeah no it was, well, I was a big into the adventure racing for years did the god zone four four times oh wow that's the team um, race right five four yeah yep and then did the world champs in australia with uh tom reynolds who's very good for mine and uh miriam and uh, matthew jeans they're all doctors so we did the world champ australia in 2017 um and then did, yeah loved it like the, that, that there is far that's that's living that is when you you're brought right down to the earth and you are defeated um, so no, a lot of that, did a lot of running with Matt, so cross country during high school and things like that. But nowadays it's sort of, all I travel with is a, a pair of running shoes and I just try and when, when you're allowed to go, well, you're not quarantined or self-isolating anywhere. Um, you can go for a run and I don't know, see the sights and things like that, but try to keep fit and do a bit of lot, trying to get into, certainly here, trying to get into lots of yoga and uh, meditation and things like that. Just trying to take it a bit slow. Ho- going home wasn't a holiday. I thought it would be more of a holiday. It was more of a not that it was stressful, but it was, yeah, I need, I need a holiday and this sort of yeah. stuff. I'm treating that as a bit of a holiday. <laughs> I know that feeling. I have to give you, um, yes, if you want a yoga link from mate, I've got a few good teachers in the States with online channels. I've been trying to put up a few classes myself, but yeah, I've seen it goes in ebbs and flows and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've been getting back in the gravel adventure biking and the feeling you get at the end of the day after being on the saddle or, you know, it's unbelievable. It's so good. Um, mm. Unbelievable. Shit. Well, well, we'll finish up there. Better leave you to get some sleep so you got some fuel for the next day. Um, yeah, well, well I'm uh, only waking up. And, I don't know. I'm not doing a lot tomorrow. Am I? I'm stuck to the But uh, it is, no, it's good. It's good. I'm really enjoying this time to myself. It's, um, it has been, it's been really good, actually. Really enjoying it. Oh, I appreciate your time. Super inspiring. Like, I can't, you know, I think all the projects are just so inspiring. So, um, Man, thanks, thanks for sharing. Thanks so much for sharing your work. It'd be cool to share and promote the eco cabins and um and your Fernie page and everything else you're working on. And um, you'll no, finish up the. Yeah, just appreciate it. No, thanks so much. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for calling me up. But out of the blue, I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, I think about these things. And it's like you just, you know, you could leave it. You leave them for weeks, and they don't come back to them. Like you know, if you just have a chat like i chat to a mate it's um and you get it done and get it up and yeah it's like you're stuck in um exactly doug you're like today you're like sweet what are you doing this afternoon let's let's go i'm like you know what let's do it and we (laughs) it's been almost a year ago where you first said hey ed you want to let's have a chat sometime or i don't know it was it was a while ago now anyway and i'm glad we made it happen well what'd you think would love to hear from you leave a review be much appreciated and make sure you enter that ecoscape giveaway on my instagram dug it i'll be posting that up as well as all kinds of other goodies uh really great to support new zealand tourism and people doing great things like ed and you know taranaki is such a beautiful place this will be a great excuse to go there if you haven't been there already or maybe just looking for a excuse to get back to the naki um 
I also think I might do a little, uh, uh, some bonus uh, content as well with the likes of Ed and these amazing people I get to meet. Maybe kind of a Q&A live Zoom uh, kind of subscription service. So yeah, let me know what you think about that. If you've got any questions for myself or Ed or any other guests, fire them through. We'd love to hear from you. You can fire it through to Doug at Dougit.nz or just get to me on all the social channels. You know where I'm at. Have a beautiful day, night life wherever you are <laughs> hope you're well and um and start building those dreams hope you dug it mm-hmm.